Today, I want to preach a message entitled, Two Builders, Two Sons, and I want to tag on that one project. Two, building, two builders, two sons, and one project. And I'm, you know I'm going to need you to help me preach this message. We're only going to do it one time, so you got to find one neighbor. So find one neighbor, look at someone next to you. I know it's been a while. You're still looking at me. Look at someone next to you. I still, I'm not your neighbor. Somebody next to you is your neighbor. Look at him in the face and say, neighbor, neighbor. oh, neighbor, get back to work. Let's, I'll give some of the sisters a chance to do this again. Look at, look at your husbands. If you're, you say, neighbor, oh, neighbor, get back to work. Two builders, two sons, one project. We are going to put two different parables of Jesus in conversation with each other. Two parables that Jesus gives us in Matthew chapter 7 and in Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 7 is verses 24 through 27 and Matthew chapter 21 is verses 28 through 32. And what I want to talk to you about today is the importance of the awareness and commitment to what God is building. The awareness and the commitment to what God is building. It is a biblical narrative, a theology that runs throughout scripture of this engineering God. A God who builds things, a God who creates things and puts things on top of each other and next to each other in order to create a larger narrative. In fact, to just give you a little bit of uh, how the Bible works, the Old Testament was written primarily by Hebrew people, right? It was, a, it was an oracle or a record of God's people. And just to kind of illustrate the way they thought, most of us, if I start here in the back of the room, I'm going to start back here. If I was going to the stage, right, we would walk this direction, right? This is more of the New Testament, Western Greek mind. We would walk this direction and we would maybe look towards the future and gather information along the way. And this is how we would think. And this is how we would journey. This is more of the New Testament Greek mind. But the Old Testament, the Hebrew mind, did not walk forward. They walked backwards. In their perspective, they always walked with their back towards the future, looking at what happened before them and trusted God with the future. The Hebrew mind walked this way, always having in view what happened before them, always having in view what the ancestors did and how God moved and the stories that were repeated. They always walk backwards. And I'm going to stop because I'm going to trip. But God is always building something. And this is countercultural to a message 
or really to the fabric of the American mind that we build on ourselves, that we build ourselves up. But it is truly a Christian mindset that understands that I am a piece of the project, that I am a part of the salvation story that will come. And at Seventh-day Adventist, we have identified ourselves or found connection to the church that is there before Jesus comes from a prophetic understanding and knowing what will happen before Jesus comes or at least the stages of salvation that have been accomplished. We understand that Jesus coming is the last thing to happen. And so we are a church positioned to live in the end of the story at least on earth. And so we understand that our part of that story is a part of the project. And so the awareness of what God is doing and the commitment to what God is doing is what I want to uh, build today. But here's the problem. And let's talk to some of our engineer friends or some of our friends who think this way and have careers that depend on this. Here's a problem that we can run into as believers and as people is the miscalculation of what is significant. It's the miscalculation of what piece is significant. When you're looking at a project without looking at it from history and to where it's going, and being focused on one part of the project, it's very simple, easy to miscalculate what is significant and what is important. Because God is a builder and he's still building something. So let's look at Matthew chapter 24 as we, I briefly read and considered our first uh, scripture. Let's put these in conversation and let's see what the scripture has to say. This is the parable here of uh, John, what was it, Matthew 21, verses 28. This is the first one I read. Excuse me, I want to start with this one again. Oh, no. I want to start, sorry, I want to go back to verse, chapter 21, and then go to verse, uh, chapter 7. But what do you think about this? A man with two sons told the older boy, son, go out and work in the vineyard today. The son answers, no, I will not go. But later he changed his mind and went anyway. Then the father told the son, you go. And he said, yes, sir, I will go. But he did not go. Which of the two obeyed his father? They replied the first. Then Jesus explained this meaning. I tell you the truth. Corrupt tax collectors and prostitutes will get into the kingdom of heaven before you do. Now let's go back to go to chapter 7 now. Chapter 7. Verse uh, 24. And anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on a solid rock. Then the rain comes in torrents and floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house. It would not, won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and does not obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. And Jesus, when finished saying these things, the crowd was amazed at his teaching, 
for he taught with real authority, quite unlike the teachers of the religious law. Two builders, two sons, one project. Jesus is trying to paint a picture of building and the importance of not miscalculating what is significant. In the first parable that we looked at in chapter 21, we see that this request comes from the father for the sons to go and work. What's interesting about this is the one son, the older son, says, I won't go, but then changes his mind. Now, I don't know what changed his mind, and I don't know what the father was building or what the work was, but the younger son is also told to work and does not go. Now, in those days, it was very common for fathers to give an inheritance, to pass down an inheritance to the older son first, and then it would be divided to the rest of the family. Now, perhaps whatever the father was building, whatever he was doing, the son realized, I better get this done because one of these days, this is going to belong to me. One of these days, perhaps what we're building is going to come into my hands. I don't know what motivated him to change his mind, but there was one thing that was insignificant that he might have miscalculated, either both sons, who did not decide to obey the father at the first request. It was their father's project. The request was not for the sons to begin to work on something that they needed to do. It is highly suggested and implied in the text that they were continuing something that had already been, had begun. And so the, the significance was your piece of this project is needed now. You are a part of what is already being built. Your perspective of what you decide is not necessary is not the same as my perspective as the father. In other words, whatever you thought you had to do today, you decided it was more important than what I asked you to do. In your eyes, whatever reason you had, older son or younger son, your decision you, in your calculation, was that what I need now is more important than what my father needs me to do. And there is a danger of miscalculating what is significant and what is important. Can I give you some examples? See, an awareness of what God is building gives you the context to decide what is significant. For those who have raised children and are now in their adult years, there are some things in hindsight that you see now that were much more significant than you thought they were. There were moments in that child's life that for them and for you were much more significant than you thought. Even from the child's perspective, even from a son or daughter's perspective, that there were some things that you thought were more important in the moment and you didn't see the big picture of what those who were raising you saw 
and you saw the dishes and you saw the chores and you saw the bedtime and you saw the strictness and you saw the diet and you saw this and that as restrictions, but what your parents were doing was setting you up for success. See, sometimes it is, it is one of those things, as some of you engineers and builders in the room, your jobs are to think through problems ahead of time. Am I accurate, at least accurate with that? Can I get some support from some of you? <laughs> your job is to think through what this particular, uh, whatever you're engineering or building, how it will sustain a problem in the future. And then in some ways to maximize that, and, and really calculate the worst case scenario and understand that we need to be able to sustain whatever this project is, regardless of what comes to it. And so in, when you put it in that context, there are some things that are very significant. The concrete that you choose is significant. Two inches versus one inch is significant. Every single detail is, a, is, a, is important because as those who are engineers or, or do uh, different professions like this, it is important to understand what could go wrong and making sure that every part of the work is done. And there are certain moments in our life that we might miscalculate that are not important, but they are important. The two minutes that you've been doing this when someone is talking to you is significant. Is this really as significant as the moment that you're in? You go to the park, you go to a concert now, and I don't know, first of all, I don't know how, what plan someone has to record a whole concert on their phone. Like, I can't even, I, I mean, I'm just surprised. Whatever phone you have that you can record to, you see the concert is like this the whole time? Like, wow, can you really record that much? Because I am real, I need to get that phone. I need to upgrade to whatever phone that you have. But sometimes you ever go to the park and there's kids playing and the parents are so proud, and they're not even watching the kids, right? They're just, I'm in Starbucks, and I'll see somebody behind me in the, in the car, and they are like, posting about going through the line in Starbucks. Like, is it really that deep? I'm just, I'm just wondering, what, what is so significant? That, that two minutes, that, that one second, that one smile, that one eye contact with that individual makes a difference. What about miscalculating a relationship? Maybe putting too much emphasis or not enough emphasis in a relationship that you really don't realize is a part of what God is building. There are some relationships in this church that you need, that God knows that you need for the next season of your life. There are people in here that get on your nerves. Why are you laughing so hard, Charlie? <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's people that get on your nerves, and God has placed them there to get on your nerves to reveal something that needs to heal inside of you. 
Because there are things that are so significant, and God is saying, I don't want you to miscalculate. I don't want you to put that aside and put your focus on something else when there's something that you need in your life. Sometimes we think about the giving and the person that was here uh, presenting for Foundation One. Sometimes when we give our tithe and offering, we think it's very insignificant. And you have no idea how significant it is. In fact, quick plug, there's an opportunity for you to put in your calendar family council to show up and to hear how your giving is giving to the larger ministry of this church and how it is shaping from your perspective and what God has put on your heart, how we shape the vision and the mission of this church all happens together at family council. Make sure you put that in your date and show up. Okay, that was good. That was, that was a pitch. Anyway, going back to my sermon. Every gift that you give, every $5, look, every $2 pays for this. And what we may think is insignificant is very significant in the eyes of a child who may remember this for the rest of their life. God says, pay attention to this. What about decisions? Who could just be honest? There was, (laughs) you know, it's kind of that thing, if I knew what I know now, would you make a different decision? Let's just be honest, right? If you knew what you, I have to have this car, right? I'm, I am 20, 18 years old, and I need a brand new car. If you knew what you knew then, you'd probably make a different decision. What about, what about the church? What about the church that you're sitting in right now? What if, what if we make the mistake of miscalculating how significant this moment is? What if the answer to your prayer comes today? What if the question that you're wrestling with is given through inspiration today? What if the very thing that your family needed to hear or the very person you needed to connect with was what God ordained and designed for you today? I believe we're a part of a church that is here for a specific reason. We are not here to, this is not a bunker, a last day kind of doomsday bunker. This is not a place for us to hide and eat our big franks and veggie links and wait for Jesus to come. Right? As the last time I checked, the church is still alive. The last time I checked, Jesus has not come, and therefore there is a mission that the church has. In fact, there is a mission that this church has in this specific city, and there is some work that won't get done if you don't do it. Yeah, let's, let's just give, I'm preaching good. Can I, can I get a pound here? <laughs> like there's something that needs to get done, and you think it's insignificant, what is standing in the parking lot saying hi to people going to do? It's going to disarm somebody who thought the church hates them. What is straightening out the chairs and pews going to do? It's going to make it comfortable for someone who's here for the first time. What is giving this lasagna to the fellowship afterwards? It's going to feed someone who doesn't have any money in their bank account. Every single piece, it counts. And we're, we're in a mission that God has sent us to be a part of. And I love what Dr. Maslow Volf, he is a, a theologian at um, Princeton. And I love this book he writes, uh, Public Faith. 
he talks about the importance of the church being engaged in culture. Look, look, listen to what he, what he writes about this. He says, cultures are not foreign countries, and he's talking about not just ethnic cultures, he's talking about really cultures in society. Cultures are not foreign countries for the followers of Christ, but rather their own homelands, the creation of the one God. If Christians are estranged from the world, it can only be because and insofar as the world is and maybe themselves well are estranged from God. If, if we're estranged from the world, if we're not wanting to get involved in the project, he's suggesting that we're estranged from God because the project is God in the world. He says, Christian communities should not seek to leave their home cultures and establish settlements outside or live as islands within them. Instead, they should remain in them and change them, subvert the power of the foreign force and seek to bring the, the culture into closer alignment with God and God's purposes. As a church, we have a part to play. God is building something. And what he's calling for us as a church and as individuals is to be aware of it and to be committed to it. To be aware of it and to be committed to it. Awareness that when I'm in McDonald's, having the awareness to see the single mother struggling behind you, wrestling for her change, looking to find the extra two or three dollars to get the other child a happy meal so they don't have to split it. The awareness that the moment I'm in is maybe a small piece, but it is a part of the project, that thing that God is building. And my work is not just simply confined to what happens on a Saturday morning, but it is what God is building through me. It is who God is showing me. It is who God is putting in proximity with. It is where God has placed me that every single detail, every single piece, every single measurement is made and my contribution is made and God values it. So that when he says, son and daughter, I need you to work today not on sabbath right i need you to work today well i would work god but i have some other things to do and perhaps it's just a daily repentance pastor fred perhaps it's just something that reminds us that we need to get back to work I don't know what it is for you. Maybe it's just a reminder of what this is for you. Maybe it is a reminder of how far God has brought you from. Maybe it's the reminder of some young person in this church who needs your love, who needs your mentorship, who needs you to support them. Every once in a while, I thank God for the reminder to get back to work. Someone say get back to work. And so to know the difference between when God is saying, I need you to work today. It's a daily work. It's a daily work to remember sometimes to not just walk forward in life 
and look towards the future, but to sometimes turn around and remember that somebody bought this pew. Somebody paid for this parking lot. Someone paid for these lights. Someone came early in the morning and prayed that we would have what we needed. Someone prayed to send a pastor. Someone prayed for workers and laborers to come. And now I realize that not only am I a part of what has been built, I'm committed and aware of what God is building. That I'm not stuck in the, in the, in the present, but I am looking towards the future with my eyes on the past, and I'm saying that I'm going to build this work. Until Jesus comes, the church will be victorious. Church will be victorious. Two sons, two builders. We go now to Matthew chapter 7 to tie this together to see what do these have in common. What they have in common is the same thing. The awareness that something is being built on something else. Now, let's look at the the verse, and then let's talk about some of the common assumptions and common interpretations that we usually make when we read this particular uh, story. Chapter 7 of Matthew, beginning at verse 24. Jesus says, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows is wise, like a person who builds a house on a solid rock. Though the rain comes and torrents and floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on, a, on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and does not obey it is foolish. Because, like a person, sorry, who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Let's put it in the context of the parable. Jesus is attaching this story, trying to teach them about the connection between obedience to what he says. In other words, he's saying, if anybody listens to my teachings and puts them in practice, you're wise. That's the point. Anyone who listens to my teachings but then doesn't put it in practice is foolish. It's really the same concept of miscalculating what is significant. It's hearing the teaching of the master and saying, I don't need that. That doesn't apply to me. This can't make sense right now. So I'll just wait until I think I need it, and then I'll come back and get it. Now, most of our assumptions or presuppositions about the text are pretty, pretty basic, right? We've heard this for some of in church all our lives, right? The wise person, they built it on the rock between, because the rock is sturdy. It's strong, right? The foolish person built it on the sand. Now, you can build a good house on the sand. What's wrong with the beach house? If anybody you feel convicted or conflicted today about your beach house, not knowing what to do with it, please call me. I I will show you what to do with the beach house. We say, well, man, it's pretty obvious, right? Why not build it on a rock? Build it on the sand? It's not going to stand. There are a lot of houses built on the sand. Is this really about poor construction? Is this really about poor engineering, Lynn? Is this what this is about? Can't they dig down 
I don't know how many feet and pour concrete down there and put a rock in the sand. I mean, is this really about their building technique? I want to offer something different. See, what Jesus is implying is that, first of all, it's important for what you're building your structure on. That's important. But here's the other thing. The storm is coming. There is a storm that's coming. Here's the reality of it. It comes to both houses. The temptation is that my house, I'm going to build it where there's no storms. I'm going to build it outside of the hurricane zone. But the reality is the storm is coming, and you can't stop the storm. You can't predict the storm. You can't control the storm. The storm is coming whether you realize it or not. The damage is going to be significant. Here is the difference. One house, you get to fix things up. The other house, you have to start all over again. The storm is coming. And many of us are either going through a storm or have been through a storm or getting ready to go through the storm. Jesus is saying, my teachings, they help you understand what's significant. They help you understand that every piece and everything I tell you is important for you. Because what I don't want is you to have to keep rebuilding your life. I don't want every storm to come and you have to keep rebuilding it over and over again. Yes, the storm is going to come. There's going to be some windows broken. There's going to be some roofs tore off. But the house on the rock doesn't have to rebuild over and over and over again. Jesus is saying this life that you have this is my project. I'm funding this project. You look down in the line and it says paid by the blood of Jesus Christ. This is a project that I've been building before the foundations of the world. And every moment is significant. Every piece is important. You say, God, what about the storm? What about the tragedy? What about the ones I lost? What about the ones who walked out on me? What about the people who forsook me? Every single piece is important, is significant. I'm building this project. This is my project. What I need you to do is to get back to work. What I don't want to have to do is keep rebuilding your life. I'll do it. But I don't want you to have to rebuild. I don't want your faith to be founded on something that's not going to hold up. I want you to build your life on me. So Jesus is trying to encourage the believers to understand that this life is my project. This life is in my hands.
And there are some storms that have taken some of you out. There are some storms that have just completely frozen you. And you have felt like, I can't get through this moment. I don't know what to do. And maybe God is trying to open your awareness to see that no matter what the doctor said, that there's still something I'm building in you. No matter what the decision was, I'm still building something. No matter what you see, I still see a future that is built on your decision. You just keep going back to work. You just keep being faithful. You just keep being serving. Serving. You just keep on believing. You just keep on working and allow me to do the rest through you. And so we're going to sing a song, and then I want to pray for someone today who's hearing the voice of Jesus saying, come, let's, let's rebuild this. Let's start over. Let's, let's do this right because the storms of life are going to come. And there might be significant damage, but you don't have to start all over because I'm building something in you that's going to last all eternity. And so I invite you to let this song speak to you, to let this song minister to you as we sing this song together.